Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. I am super grateful to be here today and very, very, very grateful for you tuning in and listening. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to introduce our guest today and and just uh, let him share with all of you. Uh, I'm grateful for his presence here. Our guest today is David Wood. David is a coach. He's a former consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies, an entrepreneur, a business founder, author of Mouse in the Room, and, and, and probably many things that I'm missing. But with that, David, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. And please fill in anything you would like our listeners to know. Thank you. Well, I'm from Australia, and I coach business owners who uh, want to double their business. I haven't met a business owner who doesn't. But uh, I always tell them, if you want just more money, you should go to someone else because lots of people can help you focus on that. I will work on that. But I get more interested in who are you as a person, as a parent, a partner, a friend, a leader, a human, and are you loving your life? So um, that's who I work with. And uh, my side hustle now is acting. I decided to dive into acting after 10 years of uh, wishing it was so. So I'm here in West Hollywood coaching my clients and then um, getting myself to the theater to present scenes to my, my acting class. Outstanding. So when, when, when did you get, um, when were you bitten by the acting bug? Early on, I, I think I was 20, must have been in my early 20s when I saw some improv. Um, like whose line is it anyway kind of thing. And I was fascinated that people could walk out on stage and make things up on the spot. So I've done a few courses over the years in improvisation, and then I found I've always been drawn towards performance. So I've done 20 stand-up comedy gigs. I created a career as a motivational speaker, and I spent a year and a half playing guitar and singing at pubs and parties. And I couldn't really sing, but I did it anyway. So I've always <laughs> been interested in entertaining and performing. I just, acting was a bit of a mystery. So I did maybe four short films over 20 years when someone had some project going and I'd, I'd go and do a little something and then forget about it. And finally, a year ago, I, I started talking about it. I said, one day I'd like to move to LA. I wonder if I should move in 2022. And someone said, oh, I did that. And so we got talking, and then she called me up a week later and said, I'm going to audition for Dracula, a play. Do you want to come with me? 
And I said, okay, I don't know how to audition and I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll show up. Anyway, I got the lead. They cast me as Dracula in a paid production and um, things escalated from there and I moved three months ago to Hollywood. That is so awesome. Congratulations. That, that sounds like an, an amazing adventure. Thank you. It is. It is. It's not always easy, but it's often very fun. And I'm, I'm bringing 20 years of business experience and coach, uh, business experience and coaching to acting now. So it'll be very interesting to see how, how I approach getting a manager, getting an agent, getting the website set up, doing the outreach, doing the networking. All of the things that you do when you when you want to really grow a business, I'm bringing to to this all in my spare time. Yeah, all, all in your spare time. So, um, coaching. You mentioned coaching for 20 years and in business for 20 years. So, um, this coaching industry is still uh, as a, as a and as an industry, it's still pretty new. So if you were doing coaching 20 years ago, you were early, 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 early on, it would seem to me at least, and correct me if I'm, if I'm off base on that, uh, but tell it, if you would, just share, how'd you, how'd you get started on that journey? It was 24 years ago that I got my first paying client, uh, and it happened because, oh, well, firstly, I thought I had it made. I, I, I got paid to go to college. I came top of my, my school. And then I got a job. I knew I already had a job lined up as soon as I got out of college. And then I got transferred to Park Avenue, consulting to Ford and Sony Music and Exxon. And it just seemed like this was amazing. And I was 20, I was 24 at, at that point. But I wasn't happy and I was stressed. I went to the doctor and I said, I got a pain in my belly. He said, well, it sounds like stress. I said, no, you don't understand. I have a pain in my belly. It's not stress. But he was right. And someone suggested I do a personal growth program. So I did. And the first one didn't really blow my mind. But the second course that I did really cracked my heart open. And I couldn't help coach mm -hmm. people. If someone was stuck. Uh, and they, they couldn't see a way forward, I'd say, well, did you try what the teacher said yesterday in the morning? Or how about if you looked at it this way? And I changed somebody's life overnight. And it was such a good feeling to watch her screw up her courage and risk her entire marriage and family simply to tell the truth and, and confess to an affair that she'd had 10 years earlier. And she came back and reported to the whole group that she felt like she was floating on air six feet above the ground, fully in love with her husband for the first time in 10 years. And I'm like, all right, I, how, do I, how do I get more of this? And fortunately, they were training people to be coaches in their own program. So I signed up for that. I coached people in the program uh, for free. I, I wasn't paid. And then a year later... Mm -hmm. I met someone who was in a coaching program. So it was just starting to take off back in 1998 in, uh, in the US and also in Australia. And I said to this guy, look, how about I be a practice client for you and I'll just pay you something nominal, like $25 a week, and you can practice on me 
and I'll get an idea of how how you coach and how this structure works. And then I got my first client the same week. She was someone who auditioned for my duo in in the in the uh, entertainment business that I was starting. And I said, why don't you be my first practice client? I'll just charge you $25 a week. And so I do my first session with him. And then I have a structure that I, I copied and used with her. And she said, well, what, what will we do next week? And I said, ah, wait and see. Because I had no idea. I hadn't done my second session with him. I didn't know what we did in the second session. So that's, that's how I got started in the business of coaching. And then, then I went and actually hired one of the top coaches in the world because I figure if I want to really accelerate, I need to learn from, learn from the best. And uh, that, that really did get my career off to a very strong start. Yeah. Um, so, A, how, well, how did you identify the best, one of the best coaches in the world? Because, um, well, and I don't know what it was like uh, it, it, you know, or then, but there's a lot of quote unquote best coaches in the world out there right now. So, uh, how did you identify that? How did you, how did you select the person that you were going to work with? I don't remember how I found her. Um, at the time she was, a she, she'd been earlier than me to the profession. So she'd been around longer and she was part of the international coaching federation. And uh, I, just, okay. I just remember she was one of the top coaches in Australia. What I recommend to people when they're looking for a coach, actually, let me go back a, a, a step uh, before I answer that. What I realized I did is I was trying to shoestring the business of coaching uh, on a shoestring budget. And that's, that's fine. You, know, you can start there. And I was hustling and doing trades and just trying to get it up and running without investing any money. But things really took mm -hmm. off when I stopped doing that. When I went and found a great coach and invested my hard-earned money in that, I had to show up a certain way. I had to make sure I was getting the value of the coaching. And then how um, I recommend people find a coach is talk to people you trust, talk to successful people who have the kind of business and, and life that you want and ask them who they use. Uh, you can go on forums that you trust. And you can listen to podcasts like this one and, and get a sense of who people are. You can watch a couple of their interviews, go and check out some of their YouTube channels and see, does this person have the kind of energy that I vibe with? Do I trust this person? Do they have something that I don't have yet? And um, most coaches will do a, a, a free consult with you just to see if, if you're a fit and then so I think some coaches will have you lock into a long-term contract, like a year program or something like that. I don't do that. I just say, look, let's do a month. And if it's going really well, keep on going as long as you're getting value. Cool. Cool, cool. You So you started this coaching company. Um, didn't take off till you till you hired your own coach, and then what was the trajectory like? Like how what what where did you take it? I like that question. It was a pretty cool trajectory. It was also pretty scary. See, I forget to mention that often when I'm telling these stories. An adventure is usually something that's already happened. 
you've already gotten through it, you survived it, and then when you're telling a story, it's a grand adventure. But when you're in it, it doesn't always seem like that. It seems scary because you don't know the outcome. And she had me, uh, she suggested that I, I speak for clients and that I go to local clubs like Rotary Clubs and salespeople with a purpose. And now there's BNI, uh, local chamber of commerce, if that's still a thing. She said that's how she mm -hmm. built her business. And I was interested in performance and speaking. It seemed like a really cool thing to do. It's like, oh, I want to be a professional speaker. So she helped me go through the steps to write my speech and book a date where I'd have some friends come over and listen to my speech and give me feedback. And, and I started doing that. And in tandem with that, because I'm such a nerd, I, uh, I got into one of the early coaching sites. I had a friend who was learning how to create a website back in 1999, it must have been. And I said, would you want to do mine as a practice site? And I'll, I'll put your information at the bottom for anyone who wants to hire you. And she said, yes. Uh, I went and registered lifecoaching.com.au. And because I'm so into systems and programming, I got interested in search engine optimization. And back then there was no Google. There was AltaVista and Yahoo. And I forget what else, life something. And, and I got to number, I was number one, three, seven, and nine on the search engines. Like you see the top 10, I was four of the top 10 listings. Uh, people were complaining about it. I was getting so much traffic and I built my business through speaking for clients. I go and speak and I'd say, if you're interested in a, in a free coaching session, check the box in the form that I'm handing out right now. And I built my email list through that. I built my clients through that. And at the same time, I was getting all these inquiries from the web uh, around the world. And so in my first year, I think I was coaching people in five different countries. Uh, and then pretty soon, I think it was 2002, I decided to launch my first product. So the first digital product went out. I spoke to the International Coaching Federation of Australia conference and it was a good speech and fortunately they recorded it no one was doing video back then but they they or at least they didn't for this event but they recorded the audio and i got a copy of it and that became my first product i sold it for 39 dollars. i think i sold a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of that speech over the years and it was how to get your first 50 clients so that was that was the, tra the the initial trajectory over the first three years of my coaching. Incredible. So I've noticed. I think it's a common theme. You talked when you when you when you left corporate and you you kind of started uh, dabbling in coaching, and at the same time you were starting. You mentioned that you were starting an entertainment company. And you also talked about doing the motivational speaking and being uh, kind of a, I, I wrote kind of a the mental notice pub artist um, that you were, you were doing some singing and, and performing. Um, for, I, currently, if, if I'm got it right, you've got two or three companies going now. And, and what I'm going with all this is you, from what I can tell, almost from the beginning of your career, you've always had multiple things going. Am I reading that right? Did I catch it right? 
Mm. Yes and no. Uh, when I was an actuary, that was that was all I was doing. Uh, although, of course, I had hobbies mm-hmm. on the side. And then when I got into uh, coaching, I was doing the uh, entertainment business. So I, I was entertaining, and on the side, I was now consulting as an actuary. So just working for myself, mm-hmm. making some money to support myself. So I guess I had a couple of things going. And then I quit the actuarial thing, and uh, I think I kept the entertainment thing going for a little bit while I was coaching. And then I quit the entertainment business, and coaching was was really what I was doing. And I guess I just saw speaking as a as a marketing method for the coaching. And then I went digital, right. and I'm creating all these digital products. And uh, eventually, the coaching drifted away, and I, I I just focused on the digital, which was Kind of cool because I was getting paid while I was sleeping. Uh, but then I, I think I missed it and I got burned out and I got sick of saying the same thing over and over again to, you know, people who are starting a coaching career. And so I just got burned out and I moved to Bali. And in Bali, I didn't do much at all. I, I played video games for eight months, eight hours a day. I did create an app called Get Real, which is a, a game to go deeper in conversation with people but and i did i had a couple of coaching clients on the side but i was really just playing ultimate frisbee and playing my video games and then when i got back into coaching it was pretty focused i was traveling the world and coaching and now um yeah it's funny i teach focus and the the human condition is if your life's going well and you've got creativity flowing through you then you've got endless options. So right now on, on my vision board, I've got the self-care game, which is all about how do I take care of my body and my nervous system and build community and exercise mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's a full-time job. And then I've got the acting study, which is a, a huge number of hours committed a week to get better at the craft. Then there's act, acting administration which is about creating a website, getting your headshots, getting your showreel, networking, finding a manager, finding an agent, and auditioning. And that's that's a full-time job. And then there's coaching. And I'm grateful to have some wonderful coaching clients um, that I'm able to leverage my time with them and give them some great results without a lot of time on either side. And then there's the book. And one thing I've discovered, uh, it's kind of a new concept for me recently, is when you've got a lot of uh, projects like this, Todd, what you can do is list them all and then lay them on their side. So let's suppose you wrote down your list, you know, one to six of the projects you want to do, then just tilt that page over so it's horizontal, tilt it to the left, and do them in order. Don't do them all at once. So for the next two weeks, I'll be focusing on self-care and the acting administration of getting getting my uh, my outreach up and running and systematized. Because everything to me is about systems. And then after two weeks, I will develop my YouTube channel and the organic search traffic 
the mouse in the room and conflict resolution and, and leadership development so that, that that can be growing and developing traffic so I can find the right companies and business owners to, to work with. And then after that, there's another project for, for two weeks, which will probably be all about scaling. I'm, you know, I'm going to create an online course so people can access uh, a lot of what they want without me. And then if they still want coaching, they can come to me. And then I'm going to look at my own talk show. Because I'd like to have a show that's a cross between Conan O'Brien and Dr. Phil. Something with play and depth. Uh, but to do them all at once, I don't think that's the optimal fun. You can have maybe two projects, maybe three at a time. But if you take on too many, you don't do any of them well, increase stress. So just lay that sheet of projects on its side and dive into each of them one or two at a time. That's, what? That's the latest. As you think back on it, share, like, what was your most challenging time as a business owner? As a business owner? Well, the first thing that came up is my most challenging time in life is uh, I've, I've had periods where uh, I've gone into very high anxiety. I don't mean stress. I mean standing in the shower just wondering how I'm going to get through the next three minutes because uh, my whole system is activated, the whole brain chemistry has gone out of balance and it's having, uh, I guess you could call them panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And I think the first one happened when I was traveling through India and I've been backpacking for a year and really pushing the limits of human endurance and I uh, just felt so lost and alone and not knowing if I was going to survive. And I've had that more than once. I've had maybe maybe three times in my life my body's gone over into full-blown anxiety and it's taken sometimes a couple of weeks, sometimes a couple of months to come back from that. So I've gotten very good at uh, making sure that doesn't happen again and taking care of myself and using whatever it takes to make sure that I stay fairly stable because I just seem to have the... It could be genetics, it could be past trauma, um, but I need to make sure that doesn't happen. And then sometimes after a period of long enough anxiety, uh, a couple of times I've gone into deep depression. And it's a horrible combination to have anxiety so you can't even sleep, but you're depressed and so exhausted that all you want to do is sleep is a really brutal cocktail. So that would probably be the hardest time in my life. And sure. if I think of the biggest challenge I've had in my business, hmm, well, it, I don't think it would be an event. It wouldn't be like, oh, something happened and everything was crushed. I mean, yeah, I've had, I've had like a, a huge launch where I paid tens of thousands of dollars for this launch and then the server broke because of all the traffic and it might have cost me $100,000. So that, that wasn't very fun. But I think the most challenging period is probably getting started. doesn't mean it wasn't fun, but getting started. So let's take for five years ago when I came back to coaching, I had had an email list of 150,000 people 
and I'd let it all disintegrate because I didn't want to send them anything. Mm -hmm. And I'd moved to Bali. And then, uh, you know, suddenly I was, I was kicked out of Bali, uh, quite, quite literally and had to reinvent myself and work out what I was going to do for income. And someone said, why don't you coach? You're a really good coach. I was like, huh, okay, that's a good point. And he said, I'll send an email for you. And this is a guy with a really huge email list. So I'm like, don't mess with me. Are you serious about this? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. I said, all right, I'll do it. Now, that was challenging because I had to work out who am I going to serve. Out of all the possibilities, what's my target market? And there's so many different options. And then you got to work out what will I help them with? Because there are 20 things I'm good at, but what's the number one thing I'll help them with? And what's the main source of traffic? And how am I going to get clients again? I've been out of the game for a few years. So mm-hmm. that was a, that felt like a long and slow route. I think I called 100 people in my network, dusted off some old connections, and a lot of people weren't interested in reconnecting and people I never thought would be interested were. And I have calls. I think out of those 100 calls, I might have had one person say they wanted coaching. So I think I must have been doing something wrong about about the outreach. Uh, And I'm sure there were benefits beyond just getting clients. But he he became a client, I think, He's been a client for, for going in, maybe going into four years now and, oh. and has referred me to another client. And who knows what, what could happen in the future. So even those 100 calls, I think they were totally worth it. Uh, and then I started podcasting to share my message and, and find the right people to work with. And that too has been surprisingly slow. Now, every now and then I'll get this wonderful client that makes it all worth it. And I, I keep doing it because I feel like it's important to get my message of courage and transparency out there. I want everyone in the world to be 30% more courageous and 30% more honest in the world because life tends to get a lot better. So that's normally what I talk about. And I just keep doing it because that's my legacy to the world and that's where mouse in the room comes in uh it's called mouse in the room because the elephant isn't alone and it's about not just addressing the elephant in the room but the mice which are any thought or feeling or body sensation you have that hasn't been named that's Mm. a mouse and so you know i do a lot of outreach and this is part of being a business owner or an entrepreneur you can do a thousand things to promote your business and then three of them might work really well. And I found that challenging over the years. It makes me wonder how other people succeed sometimes because building a business can be really difficult and um, you, need to, you need to bring an extraordinary amount of dedication to it and keep showing up and keep focusing and keep showing up and keep being courageous and keep showing up and keep focusing. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. For sure. For sure. So, so mouse in the room, uh, you, when, when did, when did the book actually take shape? 
Pete Shape. Um, I started writing it two years ago. So it must have been three years ago I got the idea for it when someone came into this course I was helping to teach and said, you've just got to name the thing. And we're like, we just looked at her. She said, you've got to name the thing. Just name the thing. I said, what? Say more. And she said, whatever's there in the room, whatever's unsaid in the conversation, whatever you're feeling or whatever you're thinking, there's something there that's unsaid. You have to name it. And I said, that, that's a good book title. Name that thing. You know, <laughs> you, should, you should write a book on it. Uh, and she didn't do it. And a year later, I, I kept on saying in podcasts, you've just got to name the thing. And then the uh, elephant metaphor came to me because I thought, what's closest to, to that in our language? And it's addressing the elephant in the room. And I thought, but many creatures are much more subtle. It's not an elephant if you don't see it. It's only an elephant if everyone sees it. So what if it's just right. something I'm thinking or something I'm shy about or a desire I have or something I'm tolerating or a confession like that woman I coached so long ago about confessing to having an affair? Uh, or maybe you're just, you know, when you and I connected, Todd, before this call, you said, how am I? And I said, well, running on less sleep than I'm used to, but the body's doing quite well with it. Uh, that's a mouse. Mm-hmm. Just just so you can be known and come into connection. So it took shape about two, about three years ago, and I kept talking about it on podcasts, and then I thought, you know what, I think I need to write a book called Name That Mouse. And then um, we kept talking about it. People said, oh, I love that metaphor, and we kept, we kept, kept on fleshing it out, and then I went and got myself someone to help me write the book. And finally someone said, I think your title is actually Mouse in the Room because that's closest to elephant in the room and people don't know there's a mouse yet. So we have to let them know. So that's how it became Mouse in the Room. And the book was just launched in June. So that's uh, it's like six, seven mm-hmm. weeks ago. It's, it's, it's a brand new baby mouse. Brand new baby mouse. So cool. And so you, you, you tied it back. You did the work for me because I was thinking that same thing regarding the lady that you helped way back in the self-help course 20 some odd years ago um you helped her uh gain gain courage and and speak the truth and really transformed her life and so it's just it's really cool now at least for me as as kind of as a new bystander i'm hearing about your journey and seeing where your heart was then and and now just a few weeks ago it actually takes shape with this book launch like the same same type of message it's it's just it's Pretty profound, I think. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my life since I I started, since I did the Landmark Forum with a company called Landmark Education, that was back in 1996. Uh, that's where I discovered coaching. Ever since I did that course, they've been pushing me to higher levels of authenticity, and mm-hmm. I love them for that. Mm-hmm. And. I would, and you know, the, the subtle mice that would be there in conversation in the moment, or maybe you've got an issue with a coworker. Um, I've got an issue right now with a student in my acting class that doesn't feel comfortable doing scenes with me. So there are mice there to be named. And Landmark kept pushing me to, to write lists and lists of, of the scary historical mice. So I was calling bullies from high school 
I was calling the girl who dumped me twice when I was 15 years old and um, then gave me the cold shoulder twice. Uh, I called her. I called the boss that I sued. I called someone that I'd committed a crime when I was a teenager and um, it was never found out. And I finally tracked the person down and called them 30 years later and said, look, it was me. I want to apologize and, and confess and, and see if I can make it right. I risked, pr- I risked prison time for that. I could have been prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you need to name all of your mice, but I, I'm just saying that's the path that led me to the book, that over and over I kept on getting good coaching that would help me find a way to screw up my courage and go first mm-hmm. in speaking the truth to see what would come out of it. And over and over and over again, miracles happened. The magic that we see in movies. We watch movies because we want that feeling at the end where someone was vulnerable and they risked everything and then they got everything they wanted. That magic is available time and time again if you're willing to be enough of a hero to go first in naming your mice. So a couple different times you so, so listening to what you just said about willing to go first and name your mice and I'm trying to so a few minutes ago you you shared how you know a couple of years ago you started talking about this book on the podcast and and lo and behold it came to it came to fruition um is there do you think there's power in just speaking it out? Like just, um, yeah, let's just go with that. Is, is there power in, in just naming it out loud? Kind of kind of a manifestation uh, track is where I'm going. Like what's been your experience with that? Absolutely. I like fantasy books and you read the fantasy books and the wizards are always saying there's power in names. You know, be, be careful what you say and how you say it because it can invoke things. Well, when I wanted to uh, be an actor, for 10 years I kind of kept that to myself because I didn't know if I'd ever really do it and it was just like a secret a secret dream. And then a year ago I started saying it out loud. I said, I think it might be time. And so I told a couple of friends and they're like, really? That's what you do? And then that one friend, her name was Kaylin, said, I, I did that. And we, we got talking and she told me what it was like. And so I got a little more excited. And that can lead to maybe you taking another action because you're a little more excited about the conversation you just had. And then she called me a week later and said, you want to come to this audition? And I said, Yes. Now, if I hadn't spoken it, it could have just swirled around in my head for another 10 years. But me getting the lead in Dracula gave me so much confidence that I was chosen for this professional performance. And so I went and got an acting teacher. And then that led to finding out where people were auditioning. That led to auditions. That led to me doing some student films for free. And then I got a couple of student films where they paid me. I'm like, wow, I'm getting money coming in. Then I got a couple of commercials. And uh, so it just keeps on snowballing. But I think it starts with naming 
you might name that you're upset about something or you felt a bit insulted or I've got a client who recently skipped a session, didn't reschedule it, just said, no, we'll just skip it. Okay, let's talk about that. There are mice there to be named. I'm starting to wonder how much does he care about his goals and does he actually think coaching is going to make a difference there? If he doesn't, we should talk about it. And if he does, we should talk about it. But if you step over these mice, then there's disconnection. And I find whenever we can name things, there's power, even just in the naming. You might even say to someone, look, I just want to say, uh, you know, like, like take this, this student in acting class. I could, I could just say, look, I just want to name that I've got a crush on you. I don't have to do anything about it, and I'm happy to keep it professional, but I just wanted to say it. I think you're amazing. There's power in the naming. And conversely, if you don't say it and the other person picks up on it, that's totally weird. It's like, oh, there's incongruence here. What's going on here? So that's a long way of saying yes. <laughs> you know what, though? It was a great way of saying yes. And so, and so thank you for, for drawing that out. I think you did a beautiful job of explaining it. Um, so as we, as we get set to land the plane today, um, one thing I'm wondering if you could share, um, if there were one question, one important or impactful question that our listeners should be asking themselves, what would you, what would you leave them with? What are you not speaking up about? And you can get a piece of paper and a pen and write at the top, if I was fearless, what would I say and to whom? And you might have a, you know, a one page for business with your clients, with that difficult client or that difficult customer or that person you've been wanting to sign up that hasn't or a staff member or your boss or someone who reports to you. What, are you, what would you say if you were fearless? What's being unsaid? Same with your family. What would you say to your kids? What would you say to your partner? What's, what's unexpressed? And another, another good way to access this in the brain is to ask yourself, if I died today, is there anything left unsaid or unresolved? It's just a way of, of kind of stirring up the brain and finding where perhaps there could be some more communication and some mice that could be named. And I'd also suggest you, you definitely get my free download which is the 3D process. It's how to name your mice because you don't just blurt them out and create a train wreck. And also if you don't know what your mice are, then it's very difficult. So this will help you discover your mice, decide if you're going to name that mouse and then disarm the other person. If you uh, do decide to go forward and, and name that mouse and it's a wonderful worksheet and it's a free download at mouseintheroom.com. Just look up the top left of that page and there's a free download. Um, but ask yourself, what am I not saying? And then use the 3D process uh, to help you artfully name those mice. A perfect way to wrap this up. Thank you, David. Uh, it has been awesome having you here. What um, for, for our listeners that want to connect, find out more about you, you've already given us uh, mouseintheroom.com. Where else? Is there any place else you'd like them to seek you out? I, I would just say go to mouseintheroom.com. 
and you can get the 3D download. You can discover my podcasts if you want to listen to uh, Tough Conversations with David Wood or Extraordinary Focus. You can also get the book. It's $12.95 or even less if you get the, the Kindle version on Amazon. And if you're interested in coaching, if you are a business owner who's already up and running, you're already successful and you want to systematize, you want to create more f- free time for yourself, you want to grow the business with less time, and you want your life to be awesome. So you've got some life goals that matter, or you want to create some life goals that matter, you can still go to mouseintherune.com and click on the coaching in the menu and request, uh, apply for coaching. What I do is I do an initial consult with you and I don't charge for it because it's how I find the right people to work with. And if we're not a fit, I'll tell you super politely. And if we are, then we can talk about which program be a fit for you. Awesome. 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 There you have it, listeners. You know how to get a hold of David. David, I truly am grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for sharing with us today. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Todd. Listeners, an especially big thank you to all of you for tuning in. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has placed on your heart, no matter how big it is, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, live life strong. Peace to everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.